I was talking with somebody who said, I can't make this place my church. I said, why, why is that? They said, y'all are too happy. I wanted to like say sorry, but I just couldn't. Gospel means good news. That's what gospel means. So if you're wondering why so much joy here, it's because there's a bunch of people that have gotten set free. It's a bunch of people that have received Jesus and gotten their marriage healed, their kids healed, that maybe got set free from cancer or addiction or some disease, that, that God came and, and, and touched our hearts and we just can't help but come on. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of God. Come on, there's, come on, lift up a shout of praise to him right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for moving in power at the preaching of your word. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together at the temple, the hour of prayer, reading from the New King James, the ninth hour, verse 2. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, who they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms. He's, he's a beggar, basically, to ask for alms, those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. By the way, that's the first time he'd ever been in the temple, because if you were crippled, you couldn't go in walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Father, as your word goes forth, I'm reminded that it will not return void, and I pray that you would bring a marvelous unction now of your spirit that you would come and speak to us, giving us living understanding, that we would be instructed, certainly, but more than instruction of our minds, there would be an impartation into our hearts that would change us to make us more like you, that would change us to make us people who change the world. Release the gift of faith and equip us, God, right now through the preaching of your word in the holy matchless name of Jesus, you may be seated. Frequently I give notes that you would fill those in as we move along, but not this morning. I wanted the freedom to just move as the wind would, would move me, the wind of the Spirit, that is. Only changed people can change the world. Our world is spiraling downward on one hand, but on the other hand, God is raising up a generation of world changers. And these are the greatest days to be in. These are the days that the prophets saw far off and you and I happen to be living in the perfect will of God. In Acts 17, God has set us in the boundaries here in Alaska. And if you're visiting, we're so glad. Maybe he set you in, in, in some other place or some other state. I don't know where you're visiting from or where you're from, but wherever you are, you're either there by the will of God or you're there in disobedience. 
God has a plan for you, and if you're in disobedience, you want to take yourself right back and run to the captain of the host and ask him where you should be and get in the perfect will of God. I know that I am in the perfect will of God right here in Alaska. Somebody said to me, you left Hawaii to move to Alaska? You must be sorry. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's the promised land. Everywhere God sends you will be your promised land. Oh, yes, there's flood stage Jordans. Yes, the Red Sea you might have to cross. But God will anoint you to get to where he's called you to be. And in that place there might be famine, but he'll bring prosperity and blessing to you if you'll just rightly align and walk in covenant with him. And if you can understand what I preach to you this morning and get it deep down into your life, Deep down into your heart, it will change your life. I'm not coming to you to give you some pablum. I'm anointed this morning to snatch the binky out of your mouth and get you on fire, hungering for the word of God, hungering for God's presence and power. You don't have to walk defeated. You can walk in triumph. You can walk in victory. You can overcome all the days of your life. It doesn't matter what the enemy sent your way. You can return to sender, walk in fire, walk in power, walk in passion. Healing is your portion. These are just the things out of the Word of God. Acts 3. Peter and John go to the the temple at the hour of prayer. They had an hour of prayer. I'd encourage you to have one. You know, the upper room was filled with people, 120 people, terrified that they were going to be crucified just like their hero, just like their, their, their Savior, Jesus. They're hiding, waiting for something. And when the power of the Holy Spirit came, like a mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And God empowered them. And Peter, who was turned away by some girls at a fire, now comes out and preaches until thousands of people get saved. Something happened to him. They were changed, and they then took the known world and turned it upside down in a number of years, preaching the gospel throughout all the world. And yet in this day and age, there are so many that don't walk in that kind of power, that don't walk in that kind of unction from heaven. But it's, it's available for you. It's available for me. It's available for us. We can change our community. In fact, that is why we're here, to change the community. And there's a lot of bad reports, but I heard report this morning from HNN, that's Hell News Network, that demons are fleeing Wasilla at an unprecedented rate. They've turned, the ta- their tails are underneath their, their I, 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 I. Something's happening. The church of the living God's rising in their God-given blood-bought authority. Demons are leaving off of families and homes. Come on, addiction to methamphetamine is leaving. Come on, suicide rates are dropping. God is on the throne and the devil's been defeated. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Now let me say this offensive thing that I said in the first service. If your faith doesn't have proofs to it. How many of you know Jesus spoke words that offended? I don't particularly like getting offended, but I sure sure want to be offended over things that are going to mess up my life and keep me from the plan of God. So Lord, offend me if I have anything that needs to be offended that I might change. So this is an offensive statement for some. But if in your faith and your walk with God, you don't have the supernatural proofs of God. In other words, there's little evidence to the fact that you walk with the, with the, the creator. Then you have to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Your faith will have supernatural qualities that follow it. 
There has to be in our lives, there should be, biblically, biblically, a biblical faith, not a theoretical faith, not a religious faith. The mystery of faith, faith, confident assurance, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Turn there, please. Hebrews 11.1. 1. You can put it on the screen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is a definition of faith. I don't have to have faith that God's going to put steel up on our, on our property. You know why? It's already there. So once you see it, it's already happened. Now there's a realm of the Spirit where you see supernaturally things that are not as though they are, as the Word of God says. So I see a great homecoming in my family for those that don't know Christ. I see the blind eyes opening, and we have seen that, but once a blind eye is open, you don't have to see a blind eye open anymore because it's open. Faith, confidence, confident assurance of what you cannot see, things unseen. We've been preaching along the lines of prayer, dangerous prayer. We talked about binding and loosing. We talked about last week, I came to you by video. I think it's the shortest message I've ever preached in my life. 20 minutes, altar call included. Gave an opportunity for people to get saved and, and prayed for the prayer of agreement. Nine, 20 minutes, boom. I thought, my gosh, that was awesome. This was with Pastor Alex, was behind the camera, and it was like, ooh, good. 20 minutes. I felt my skin just rippling as I preached to a lens, <laughs> to people that would be there in the future. Did you get encouraged by that word? All of those messages are available on YouTube, on our podcast, on Facebook, uh, on our web stream, on our website. And again, uh, you're going to begin to see an overhaul and a rebranding of all of our, our things. We've got a new logo. You'll begin to see some new things coming out. So I want to continue along the lines of prayer, the prayer of faith that changed the world. I'll title it the prayer of faith that changes the world. Again, if you're not changed, you can't change anything. Your faith has to have proofs to it, and if it doesn't, it's just a theoretical faith. There has to be an unexplainable aspect of your life. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, as it says in Matthew 11. And the violent take it by force. There is a violence of faith that releases miracles. Let me say this. To every Red Sea or every Jordan you have to cross, it's going to require violence for you to cross it. There has to come a place in your life, a confident assurance of what you cannot see. And if you see something that's contrary to that, you mow it down with a, with a spiritual howitzer. You know what that is? It's a really big gun. And so you know what God spoke to you, and as you face the Red Sea, an opposition that's impossible to cross, but with God, all things are possible. So you begin to make the proclamation and take the action, and by the time you get to the Red Sea, it will part. If you don't resist, then the enemy will run your life. And just because God said it doesn't mean it's just going to come to pass. He looks for a man. He looks for a woman. His eyes go to and fro, looking for a man who he may strengthen, whose heart is steadfast towards him. God wants to use you to change your family, change the community, change our state, change the nation. Come on, God's going to raise up people to speak forth truth and to vote and to take action. And yes, we are facing the degradation of our society. But that's nothing new to the people of God. The reason our nation is in the places it is is because the church of the living God went asleep. 
But some people are beginning to wake up, I think, in Alaska. I think there's a remnant that's beginning to rise. I believe that people are getting a hold of their God-given blood right, a birthright for something more, that you don't have to be pushed around by the devil all your life. You can begin to push him around and exert God's word and authority as it's revealed to you. Luke 18, turn there, and we'll put it up on the screen also. Jesus, never forget what you've done for me. God, I got up in my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Send me free. I don't care what time it is. Ah, they're like, watch the clock. I could give a rip. No, listen, I'm going to tell you something. One of the reasons I didn't pass out notes is I, I felt like I backslid. What do you mean? You didn't backslid. You're on fire. No. <laughs> There's all different kinds of fire. And just because I got irritated at the time, I'm, I'm totally going to get away from it. Pray for the children's ministry. Reach your hands to the children's church. Jesus, help them right now, God. I'm not going to keep you for hours, but I, something our dear evangelist said, why is the church in such a stinking rush? We're going to rush to do. Rush and go eat? We're going to rush and go home and watch the queued up Netflix? What are you going to rush and go do? We need God's power and God wants to use you to be an agent of change. And if you don't get change up in you, you ain't going to change anything. And you'll stay busted and disgusted all of your life. And then I'll stand before the throne of God to give an account for how I watch the clock. No, sir. I ain't doing that. I'm not going to do that. No, don't get me right. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm going to be on time. I'll, I'll do my best to close on time. But if we look at that and don't release the power of God and the anointing of God, the, the Holy Spirit to pierce your heart and write on your heart that knowing this, that you can do all things through Christ. You can make it. There is no sickness. There's no infirmity, no disease. There's no Red Sea, no Jordan. There's nothing that can stop you in the will of God. Not one thing except you, of course. Luke 18. He spoke a parable, said the men ought always pray, I'll paraphrase, for the sake of time. There's this widow. She demands justice from a judge that doesn't care or even believe about God and doesn't care about men. And the widow harassed him. I mean, when he wakes up and he's having his cup of French roast in the morning, there she is, give me justice! She's like, ah! He's going out to get in his Lexus and he... She's right there. Give me justice. She's like, oh, my God. Will you shut up? Drives away. He's at the courthouse, and there she is again. He's eating lunch, and she's outside the window. Give me justice. And he's finally like, all right. Shut up. Okay. And the text is a parable that Jesus shares. And will not the Lord, will not God give justice to his elect? You see, there is demon power that wants to hold you back, but God's power is above that and stronger than that if you learn how to walk in it. God's word, mingled with your faith, releases the power of God. I said God's word with your faith releases God's power. But if you don't learn to mix your faith, I'm going to tell you something. There's, I'm preaching strong to you this morning. I'm not much of a teacher anyway, but I have learned this. The fervent prayer, fervent, the prevailing prayer, I want to just say to you that you've got to get a hold of God's promise. And when you have it, you don't let anything move you. You don't let anything push you off track. Understand what his will is, and you get in that thing like a howitzer and mow down the trees in front of you. Da, 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 da. 
and you walk through like a tank. You just run it over. Oh, you'll have feelings that tell you to shut up. You'll have all kinds of obstacles that tell you it's impossible. You'll have even people that'll come in agreement and say, oh yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. You don't have educated enough. You'll hear all kinds of stuff. You can do all things through Christ if you'll just line your faith up. And it's an act of violence. What do you mean violence? My daughter, when she was born, had wet lungs. She was there in a procedure room with four nurses and a doctor trying to intubate her. It took well over 40 minutes to my recollection. At 30 minutes, I had, uh, they couldn't get the tube in, if you understand about that procedure. It's a tube that goes into a baby's lungs and, and, uh, and helps them breathe. They couldn't get the tube in, so if the tube's not getting in, she's basically not going to live. And I watched her flatline. And I had a promise from the Lord. I happen to have a prophetic word from a prophet, but the truth is you can just read your Bible and get a promise right there. Somebody said, well, God's never spoken to me. Read your Bible, for God's sake. He'll speak to you right now. Come on, God's going to, God wants to bless me. God wants to help me. God wants to heal me. Come on, I'm the head, not the tail, the lender, not the borrower. Can you say amen? And so I'm standing there with this, watching this procedure illegally because the Venetian blinds got jacked up. And as I'm looking through, watching my daughter arc off the procedure mat with the only, only the edges of her extremities touching the mat, four nurses holding and a doctor trying to get a tube in their mouth for 30 minutes. At the end of 30 minutes, I said, I'm done. I can't watch him torment my daughter anymore. I'm going to bust in there. I'm going to get her. I'm going to lay hands on her. I said, Jesus, I started walking away and I heard the Lord. It might have even been audible. No, give them 10 more minutes. So I watched for nine minutes and like 50 seconds and they got that tube in. Within the nine minutes and 50 seconds, I was declaring every promise that I had over that child. You will live and declare the glory of God. You're going to sing. You're going to, you're going to be a worship leader. We had prophetic words over her. We've been speaking them ever since. And when the contrary death faced us, I began to speak that thing and declare it. The same is true with our property. I had somebody tell me, oh, you guys are so lucky. Lucky has nothing to do with it. Faith and the grace of God has everything to do with it. And then when God gave us that property, when we discovered it by the obedience of obeying a 10 or 11-year-old child, which was my son, ended up on that property and began to realize that God wanted to give it back to us. He spoke to me, I'm giving the property back to you. The one that we own now, where we're building our new building, we owned it years ago and sold it. I'm going to give it back to you, the Lord said. I thought, oh my, that's in Paha. Yes. I knew it was for sale for $4 million. Appraised at $4 million. So the process is we put in an offer, and uh, they came back, and basically we agreed on a million, I think it was a million $59,000. Appraised at $3 million. $4 million, pardon me. Appraised at $4 million, purchased for, for $1 million. We made $3 million overnight. The only problem was we had to get financing. I had banks in town laugh at me. I literally got laughed at. I mean, I was talking with someone, and, and the guy started laughing at me. He said, you can't, you can't build a building. That, this is Wasilla. I'm like, yeah, I know. No, you can't build a building that big. I'm like, honestly, it's not that big. It's the size we need. And if you talk to nearly everybody in the body of Christ that build buildings, they're wishing they went bigger. Mostly, there are exceptions. We only built according to the size that the Lord spoke to us. By faith, it was the faith that we had. 
And yet I had somebody go, <laughs> literally laugh at me and be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're never going to get a loan. I said, well, then God will just pay for it or something because that's what he told us to do. He's like, well, appreciate your faith, but that's not going to happen. So there's something rising out of the ground over there. Come on, there's something. You know why? Because there's a people who will believe. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with a bunch of people that believe God's word, believe that nothing with God is impossible. Listen, if God can do it for us, he can do it for you individually. If he can do it for you individually, he can do it for a group of people. He can certainly do it for a nation. I've stood on that property when we couldn't get financing and began to declare financing for it. We were very stretched all over, our na- all over the world. Worldwide, we were stretched financially. We didn't have one institution that would give us a loan. So I'm praying for a million dollars to come in. We're praying for something. We've got to buy it. I've got 60 days, I think it was. We had a financial institution that said, we will not loan you the money because you're overextended and uh, you, you're, at the, you're at the top. You understand? You, you have to pay this thing down, pay off some of these properties, then we can talk about it. We asked them if they would reconsider, and they said, well, we'll meet and try to reconsider. That whole week, actually, it ended up being two weeks, I would stand on that property and just absolutely, if, if somebody had videoed me, they would have thought I was insane because I stood there and said, this is going to happen because there's no way all the prophetic words, the fingerprint of God was on it. I knew it was the will of God. When you know what God's will is through the word and revealed to you, then you're not going to find kings, cathedral and chapels, buys the best, most highest rated commercial piece of property in Wasilla and yay, buy it. You don't see that in the Bible, but you see his fingerprint. You see the leading, the guiding, undeniable. And you stand there and the devil will shout at you, a giant. Listen, to the size of the door, there's always a corresponding giant. So you speak to the giant. You get in that slingshot of yours and turn loose the rock of God's word and you watch his uncircumcised fat head drop. You will make it and go through to walk in miracle power. So we continue to do that. Listen, God wants to awaken you today in the closing moments of this service. You live far beneath. I should say we. We all live far beneath what God wants to bring us into. You're never going to change anything unless you get changed. Without waking up to the greater one on the inside of you, you'll never see it come to pass. Satan's not a gentleman. The only thing he responds to is violence. What do you mean violence? I'm talking about spiritual violence, blood. He responds to blood. He responds to that. He's a covenant God. God is covenant, and, and, and Satan is a defeated foe. But you have to stand even though he might roar at you. Show his ugly teeth like a prowling lion. We have the lion of the tribe of Judah on the inside of us. You begin to speak forth God's word and don't be moved. Don't be moved. Don't be shaken. Don't Come on. And you'll see breakthrough come. Let me move now. Some characteristics of violent faith in the next moments. Worship team, would you come? One of the characteristics of violent faith and being a person that prays with spiritual violence. You see, when you know what God's will is, it's not even asking. It's telling. Your will is this. The Lord is doing this. You, you proclaim it. It's a declaration. It's a decree. A proclamation like Cyrus. When Cyrus released a decree for the building of the temple, guess what happened? 
The temple began to be rebuilt and the project started moving forward. When God speaks, one greater than Cyrus is here living on the inside of your heart, giving you the word that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain, will endure forever. You get in that word and you begin to speak it. You begin to declare it. My whole household, like the jailer's house, will be saved. I'm healed. I'm whole by his stripes. Come on. There's a confident rest that comes when you're unyielding to the promises of God. There's, there's, there's a, a confident rest. I was in a situation with some unsavory fellows. And um, they were looking to cause trouble. But they didn't look, at, they didn't look my way too long. Why? Because I got somebody way bigger than whoever they got. I mean, it's just kind of like... They look your way and like, oh, no, that's a bad choice. That's a bad choice. There's a confidence. Fools go where angels fear to tread. If you're in the will of God, you don't have to worry about it. Always be on the offensive. These are, com- these are, these are attributes of having a strong faith. Be on the offensive. Don't hide underneath your bed unless you want to get convinced. Read the Bible underneath your bed until you're convinced that you have authority over him. Then come out from underneath your, under your bed and begin to whoop some devil tail. Can you say Amen. Violent faith makes you spiritually bold. All right, how to develop this kind of faith? Are you with me? Very quickly. I'm like, I'm not going to pay any attention to time, so let's hurry up. The Holy Spirit will empower you, number one. How to develop that kind of faith? Got to get full of the Holy Spirit. It brings a boldness, brings a confidence. Number, number two, minister to the Lord and worship. Jesus, never forget what you've done for me. Can we do that again? You know why? Because you're going to do it again. revelation and encouragement to you. Don't stop. (laughs) Got to get anointed. Got to study the word. Read the word and let the pages come off. Let the words come off the pages and be written on your heart. Listen to anointed preaching. I was listening to some preacher that was, I mean, he was cool. He had the ripped jeans. He looked good. He had this cute little blazer on and everything. I mean, he was just bringing it with all kinds of incredible, you know, pop culture references and just like, man, I'm like, man. And then I thought, I don't feel anything though. It's like there was no unction, no power on it. I, You know, Lord, help me be current. But if you lose the power of the Spirit of God in your preaching, you've got nothing. And you could be all cute and, 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 and you know, relevant culturally and have no power to break the devil's yoke. Got to get anointed. But you got to, there is, I think there's cute, ripped king, great anointed preachers too. I'm just saying I was listening to one that wasn't so anointed. I didn't listen long. They didn't move me. Jesus, never forget what you Number four, speak the word. Isaiah 55, 11. He sends it forth. It doesn't return void. Reinhard Bunke heard this. You know who that is? One of the greatest evangelists. 
I mean, just amazing meetings all throughout Europe. Reinhard Bunke heard this from the Lord. The Lord said to Reinhardt, my word in your mouth is the same as my word in my mouth. I got it. My word in your mouth is the same as my word in my mouth. So, Lord, do you mean that when I speak forth your word, it's the same as coming out of your mouth? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready? We're going to light this place up in a second, and then we'll close. Lastly, prayer. You got to have prayer. You got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you got to have a prayer life. If prayer is boring, as Pastor Karen said, if prayer is a drudgery, he wants to bring it to make it a delight, and that releases the power of God and faith. Come on. The Word plus faith with prayer releases miracles. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. Come on, begin to put your hands together. You ready? Yeah, come on. Jesus, I never forget how you set me free. Jesus! Jesus, I never forget how you I dare you to move your feet, sway a little bit, shake your head, man. Jesus, I never forget. Come on.
But the prayer of faith will be in our mouth. We will not be moved to the right or the left. We will go right through that Red Sea. We'll see that giant fall like a giant tree. And we'll go on into the promised land to declare your goodness in the land of the living. I thank you for what you've done. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. And give us.